Okay, we are going to begin session two now, and uh, in session two, we're going to be talking about uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something. What is this right here? All right, say it again. Fruit, yeah, it's fruit, right? Should have seen me going through the line at H-E-B yesterday. They were like, really? One of everything? Because... We're going to talk about nine aspects of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I got nine different kinds of fruit. I got kiwi, and I got pear, and plum, and it was really funny. Everybody in line was really looking at me like, what are you doing? And one guy goes, is that a special diet? No, I said, no, it's an object lesson for a lesson I'm teaching. Well, let me ask something. It's a smoothie. Uh, let me ask something. Did this just grow up out of the ground? No. Where, where did this come from? This came from being attached to a plant, right? Something that was bearing fruit. Same thing with all of these. I could hold every one of them up. Not one of these just popped up out of the ground. Every one of them came from being attached to something. So... What I want to talk about is the, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Very, very familiar passage. Oh, by the way, I put uh, notes on everybody's table. If you don't have any notes that, that, and you don't have to take them, you can you know, write grocery list on them or you know, notes to your spouse or whatever if you want to, but... Um, anyway, that just, it, it always helps me. I was a teacher by trade, and it always helped me went to learn as I, as I walk through these things. So if you, you should have a, 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 a something there. But anyway, Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So in our, in our time together, that we have. I want to make four observations about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask a question about how we grow, and then I want to take time for us to do self-evaluation. That'll be the painful part. First observation. The first observation is, the word is singular. It doesn't say fruits. It says fruit. If you look up the Greek word, it is the nominative, masculine, singular word, okay? So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, just like I held up a bowl, and you said it is a bowl of, nobody said it's a bowl of fruits. You said it is a bowl of fruit. And that's what this is talking about. It is one, it has different expressions but it is one fruit, okay? So I want us to understand a couple of different things. In the next session, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and I'm going to say this, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are varied, and they're assigned as God wills, okay? You're going to learn that in the next session. You, you can have one gift, you can have more gifts, they can vary from person to person. One person can have one gift and not have another gift, while another person can have a gift that this person doesn't have. 
That's the gifts of the Spirit. But the fruit, singular, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all expressions of the fruit of the Holy Spirit are seen as one fruit and are to collectively be developed in our lives. I can't say I have love, or excuse me, I shouldn't be able to say I have love, but I have zero patience. I shouldn't be able to say I'll be gentle, but I have no self-control. We shouldn't be able to say I, I'm kind, but I, I never have peace. You see, we, we have differing gifts. The gifts are assigned as God wills, but the fruit is seen as a collective one unit. So it's not pick and choose. I think I'll, I'll take a dose of kindness and a dose. I really don't want to. I'm getting ready to go on a cruise. I don't want self-control on a cruise. So I'll wait on that one. Uh, okay. Uh, and, and so um, I, I want us to understand that this singular fruit exists in the life of every believer. Okay? You say, well, wait a minute. We're going to talk about that. This exists in the life of every believer. So the second observation about the fruit is that it is implanted at salvation. Reuben made reference to the scripture of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, uh, Lynn, Glenn shared that. But just like an apple seed went into the ground and it didn't sprout an apple, what did it make? An apple tree. But was that tree only a tree once it was up or was it a tree in the seed form? It was a tree in the seed form. When it went into the ground, it was a tree and it began to grow and when it grew, it then began to produce something. What did it produce? What kind of fruit? Apple. Why did the apple seed not produce bananas? Because it's after its own kind. It does not. And, and so here's the thing. When we say the fruit of the Spirit goes into us at believing, at salvation, that seed of this is put into us at salvation. Now, is it fully mature at salvation? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. That is the, that's the hard part. So the, the gifts are given. Fruit is grown. The fruit, just as natural fruit takes time to ripen or to grow and to mature, uh, my father-in-law used to have pecan trees that he would uh, graft different pecans, different stripes of pecans and make different kind of pecans. But he would always say, you know, it takes three years with a new tree before you get good fruit. You would have fruit, but it would take three years to get good fruit. Why? Because there is a maturation process. And so in us, the same way, it is not perfect fruit in us. It is being perfected fruit in us. As we grow... As we mature, we are 
collectively growing in the fruit of the Spirit, and it is eventually evidenced to all and profitable to all. When we have at salvation the seeds within us, then we cultivate them. It is cultivated by us by being put in situations where we are tested. That is where we learn how to properly demonstrate or fulfill or live out the fruit. When you ask the Lord to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us, we'll be put in situations that help that develop in us. If you ask for patience, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get trials. Okay, why? Why not just God just open up and go, well, here's, you know, Six doses of patience. No, you see, it is cultivated within us. We have to cultivate that. It is something that goes against our flesh. It is something that grows in our spirit. It is the spirit man fighting against the flesh man. And when I say man, I mean man or woman. Okay? And so when, that, when, we, when we ask the Lord for patience... He's not going to just let you sit in a room by yourself and all of a sudden patience grows. He's going to give you some trials. When you ask for kindness, guess what? He's not going to put nice people in your life. He's going to put some mean people in your life. There are going to be mean people that come. And you're going to have to decide between flesh and fruit. You're going to have to decide, I will cultivate the seed that is in me at the implanting, according to Ephesians 1.13, at the implanting, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, I choose to cultivate that in this situation. And I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but when I get in these situations, I know when it's presented to me. <laughs> and I'm looking, going, I have a choice right now. Mm. I really don't want to be kind in this instance. When you ask for love, oh, Lord, just bring love. Let me, you know, abound in love. Guess what? He's going to bring some pretty unlovely people into your life. Now, why? Why? You know that sometimes you are unlovely to the Lord. Did you know that? And sometimes our attitudes are not too kind to the Lord. We, we look at his sacrifice and we look at what he's done and we go, eh, who cares? And God continues to display the fruit in himself, the fruit that he is, the fruit that he distributes, but it's the characteristics of God that is put in us at salvation. Not fully mature, but maturing. To properly grow and develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we must submit our lives to God continually so that he can do his work. We've got to continually submit our lives. It is not a one-time submission. It is not even a daily submission. It is a moment-by-moment-by-moment submission. I don't know if it ever happens to you. Probably not. I live with an angel, my wife, but did you know that every once in a while we get a little bit, the other night, okay, sorry that she's here to hear this, but the other night we were sitting and we were watching Wheel of Fortune, we like Wheel of Fortune, we were watching Wheel of Fortune and, and I was, I, I missed something, I was rolling it back 
And she says, I've already seen this. You've already seen this. You already know the answer to the puzzle. I said, well, I've got to figure out how to figure it. You know? and, and she goes, you know, Mark, sometimes you can be really annoying. <laughs> and I was like, well. And you know what my first response was? Well, let me tell you when you're annoying. Let me list the ways that you are annoying. Let me, I have this list that's back here. Let me just bring it up. But I practiced the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? Pretty soon, we were laughing together. Pretty soon, we were praying together about this event. How much different would it have been if I would have responded in my flesh Rather than, and I'm not saying, oh, look at me, how spiritual I am. I'm just saying that's a very practical, I was being a, a, a dweeb. I mean, I was being a, a nerd. I was being crazy. And she called me on it. You know, in a loving way, hey, you know, you can be kind of annoying sometimes. She didn't just, it was just in a sweet, gentle, you know, you can be kind of annoying. So to properly grow and develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we must submit ourselves to God continually so that he can do his work. Let me tell you, without you continually <coughs> excuse me, submitting to the Lord, fruit will never be produced because you still have enough flesh in you that it's going to control you, okay? So you have to actively each day each hour, each moment by moment, each situation that comes, the first thing that needs to spring to your mind is before I respond, Lord, let me respond according to the fruit that you put in me that you are seeking to cultivate in me at this moment. Let me respond that way. Because if left to my own devices, I'm going to respond differently. I believe that the most important passage in the Bible after all the passages about salvation for today's culture, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I'm talking about for this culture today, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19b, it says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now, I don't know how it is in other countries, but I know in this country, we do not like that message. That we are not our own, we've been bought with a price. We're told, do it by yourself. You're on your own. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You deserve. You, uh, you got to have this. You ought to have that. Everything you deserve. And this verse right here has somewhere been lost in Christian culture. You know what, saints? You're not your own. You have been bought with a price. What was that price? It wasn't gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus shed his blood, his shedding of his blood was his submission to the Father's will, and it was also a clarion call to us to say, now you do the same. And I would say that none of us has yet resisted and died to the point that we shed blood for the Lord. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So I would just, you know what? That's not a... Um, you know, a refrigerator magnet scripture or a bumper sticker scripture that we like to name and claim. Yes, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. Hallelujah. That's not a message that we just embrace. I would encourage you to get this down in your spirit. I'd encourage you to take it and put it on a three-by-five card, stick it on your mirror when you're getting ready, on your dashboard when you're driving to work, whatever you're doing, and you get this down in your spirit because only when we understand 
I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I submit myself to God there so that he can grow his fruit in me. He can cultivate in me. He can put into my life people that are unpleasant, situations that are hard. He can do all of this because I am not my own and I belong to the Lord. Fruit, excuse me, good fruit is the product of a life fully yielded to the Lord. And as you fully yield to the Lord, this becomes evident. This begins to grow. Third observation. Third observation about fruit is God expects it. Oh, I always hate when God expects something of us. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits, Jesus said. You will. Doesn't say you might, you might, you ought to. Perhaps every once in a while. Every once in a while, you might know some of them. Jesus said these words. You will know them by their fruits. There's not a question about it. Grapes are not gathered from florin bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Verse 17, Matthew chapter 7. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. doesn't say every good tree might bear. It says every good tree bears good fruit. You're a tree. You're an oak of righteousness. You are bearing fruit. You bear good fruit. Every tree that, verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is, oh, now look out. We better cut this one out. I don't like this verse. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut out and thrown into the fire. Yeah, I don't like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Let's just, let's just take that one out, okay? Let's vote. Can we vote and just take that one out? I, I really like to just be a tree, and yeah, if it doesn't happen, yeah, it's okay. God will look past it. Surely he's a loving God. He wouldn't really expect me to bear fruit, would he? I don't write this stuff. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, therefore, you will know them by their fruits. Ouch. Ouch. When I'm not patient, when I'm not kind, when I'm not loving, when I'm, ouch. What am I showing? What am I demonstrating? I'm demonstrating an area. You know, (laughs) I used to do, um, I I was, um, Certified to do this marriage pre-marriage deal, and you'd give this test to these couples, and 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 it would say areas of strength, and you would think, okay, what's the opposite? It would be areas of weakness, right? And but they didn't want to say that, so they would say opportunities to grow. <laughs> okay, when when we have bad fruit, we have opportunities to grow. Okay. Let's just understand that we need to grow and cultivate. It's there. The seed of God is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. The fruit is there. It needs to be cultivated and grow. When people look at you, when people look at me, when people look at us as Christians, this is what they should see. And we're going to talk about these in, in, in just a little bit. We're going to talk about the individual fruit. But I'm just, I'm just setting the table right now. Is this what people see when they see me? And as I sat and prepared yesterday and I saw this, I was like, Lord, I got a ways to go. 
And he said, you're right. <laughs> but I'm working with you. I'm working with you. Okay? All right. So, God expects it. Fourth observation. This is where we're going to start talking about these. There are nine different character traits, expressions. I don't know exactly the word I want to use. I use characteristics. There are nine different characteristics in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. They are the fruit of the Spirit is love. So I'm going to talk a little bit about love. Agape means affection, benevolence, and I really like this one, a love feast. The word agape indicates a love feast. It means an intense desire to please God and to do good to mankind. What that's saying is, this fruit, when you walk in, everybody should go, ooh, here come love feast. Yeah. Man, that love is just feasting out of her. It is just, let's just brush up against her. Let's just brush up against him and let's just get in on the love. Let's just understand the, the benevolent, the affection, the genuine nature of this love that comes out of us, this agape love, this I am for you kind of love. This love that says, Philippians 2 tells me that I'm going to consider others as more important than myself. Let me consider you. I love God. He is love. He puts his seed of love in me. Therefore, when I exude, I exude a love feast. And it enables everybody to come and feast on the genuine nature of the love of God. Now, I want to put a little cautionary note in here because I really believe that the world has hijacked the word love. And the love has opened its arms to say, we welcome everything. Every opinion, every thought stream, every religion stream. You know, you do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel good. And the world has hijacked the word love to mean that. That's not the love that we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 defines love. If you want to know what love is, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because in verses 4 to 8 it says love is and it tells you what that is. God says he is love. You want to know what, uh, what love is? You look at who God is. You look at the character traits in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. You look and you see that love feast that comes out. And it's really funny, the couple of the, the, the aspects of love in 1 Corinthians 13 are also fruit that we're going to talk about here. <laughs> kind of interesting that God double dips on that one. There is a love feast that comes out. Sometimes the most loving thing to do, and you know this as parents, sometimes the most loving thing to do to a child is to tell them no. Sometimes the most loving thing to do to people is to say, no, 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 you are, you're in danger standing under um, the wrath of God, the, the, the judgment of God, and you need to come out from that. But doing it in a non ah, 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 Eyes in the fingers, I mean fingers in the eyes type of way, but in such a gentle and benevolent way to say, I love you enough to tell you the truth. That needs to be a love feast. So a little self-introspection, and you see that on your sheet. 
in my circumstance, do I offer love? Do I have genuine affection? And do I think the best in all situations? Just give yourself a grade on that one. <laughs> you ever thought about that? How we grade in America, A, B, C, D, and, and then if you fail, it's not even E. I mean, it's so bad that they had to skip E and go all the way to F. You ever thought about that? Okay. I, sorry, that one didn't have anything to do with what I was saying, but it just <laughs> popped into my mind. All right, the next different uh, 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 character trait uh, is joy. Joy. The word joy literally means a calm delight, a calm delight or cheerfulness. Now, this is opposed in contrast to happiness, which depends on happenstance or circumstances. Okay, this, is, this is joy in spite of circumstances. There is a calm delight. When, when trials come, there's a calm delight. When trials come, consider how Jesus handled the situation. You can look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? Eternity. Victory for us. He had to go through death. He had to go through hell. He had to go through the grave to appropriate and to receive the wrath of God on the cross to take the punishment for us. But the joy that was set before him, this short-term pain was offset by the joy, the calm delight of him knowing that on the other side of the grave, on the other side of Sunday, there was a way opened up for Billions and billions and billions of people for all the rest of time on earth to have relationship as it was from the beginning. And for that joy, he said, I'm going to the cross. And you and I cannot understand the pain that that caused in him. But that fruit of joy needs to be our joy. We need to look and be able to say, because I realize what Jesus did for me and I get heaven, when I deserve hell, when I get heaven, huh, I can go through these trials. I can do it with a calm delight. I'm not fretting. I'm not, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if God's really in control. Oh, I wonder, ha, huh, oh, why is he letting, oh, that hurt, oh, what? We dance a jig trying to get out of the way, and we need to just say, you know what? I have calm delight, not because of the circumstance, but in the circumstance. We say, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord because I get heaven. And when we, when we you know, what is, what is the, uh, uh, Hebrews tells us that uh, Jesus set people free from the fear of what? From the fear of death, right? That's held everybody captive. Once you're understanding that you get heaven, you're not afraid of things. What, what can man do to me now? Kill me? Great. I'm going. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more suffering. Don't have to worry about the election. Don't have to worry about the condition of the country. Don't have to worry about, I'm, I'm there. Joy. Calm delight. So, Self-evaluation. When you're in trial, is the fruit of calm delight yours? Is that what people look and go, whew, look at her. 
Look at him. How are they that way when they are just getting this news, this situation? How is that? Peace. To means, it means to set at one again. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is to be set at one, to be set aright in my relationship with God and as far as it lies with me to be at peace with all men. I am set at one. There's nothing more that I can do in this relationship. I know that relationship breaks happen. And I get people talking to me all the time about that. How do I handle this situation? How do I do it? You know what? As for, scripture is so gracious to say, as far as it lies with you, be at peace with all men, knowing that all men aren't going to be at peace with you because all men aren't either saved or some saved people just still are ornery. They're still fleshly. And they're just not going to be at peace with you. And you can't run around going, oh, please be at peace, please be at peace. You can't do that. So scripture says, be at peace, be set at one, be right with the Lord and as far as it lies with you, with all people. Because I have received this gift of salvation and the forgiveness of my sin, I have nothing more to fear. I am forgiven. Therefore, because I am at one with God, I, and I can forgive others who have put enmity between me and them. The operating in the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to set things at one again. Those who are operating, who are displaying the fruit of the Spirit, have the ability to walk into situations and set things at one. To just go, hey, peace. Be at one. Lower the rhetoric. And, and then also, and, and let me just tell you, all these, and I don't have ways, I don't have time to interweave all of these things, but these fruit work together because if you can imagine peace and joy, joy is calm delight. Just walk into a situation where there's strife in the family, there's strife in the business, there's strife in you know, extended family, whatever, and you walk in full of joy, i.e. calm delight, in the midst of the chaos that is going around. The first thing people are going to know, they're going to notice joy. Wow, look, okay. So it's going to get their attention, and then as you exude peace, the pair of peace, there you go. As you exude peace, it works together with the calm delight that you have, and you are able then to set at one things that are out of place. That's how the fruit of the Spirit work together. So you can come into a situation, and there is peace. Things are set at one. And that's that, the flip side of that is the, just what I call the pig pen. You know, remember uh, Peanut's character, pig pen? He's always walking around with this cloud going on. You know, you know people like that. Don't point at anybody. <laughs> but you know people that you, you, they just always got a cloud. You know, there's always something going on. And, and what God is saying is that as you have the fruit of the Spirit in you, you walk into situations, you have the ability to set at one that which is unsettled. So, self-evaluation in my circumstance, and I am an agent of setting things at one or setting things aright. Next one, patience. Some of your versions may say long-suffering. The literal word means long-passion. It's really an interesting word, long-passion. And, and the translation of the word, I looked, as I looked it up, it says, 
waiting a sufficient amount of time before expressing anger. This avoids the premature use of force retribution that rises out of improper anger on a personal reaction. <laughs> ah, patience, waiting a sufficient amount of time for expressing anger. The question is, what is a sufficient amount of time? <laughs> 20 seconds, okay. I'm going to wait 20 seconds and then I'm going to give full vent to my wrath. No. What that means is patience is giving sufficient amount of time that you will never express that unless it is a righteous anger. There are times where we need to express righteous anger. I'm not saying that. But our first go-to, our first instance is to lash back as in when I was watching Wheel of Fortune with my beloved. I really, I mean, just, well. But I waited. I, I, I waited a sufficient amount of time. No, I mean, and, and so, you know what, there's times where you get into situations that you know what you just need to do? You need to just shut your mouth. Bite your lip. Sit there. Oh, this hurts not to say something. Oh, I would encourage you not to grimace like that because what you're really saying is, I'm saying inside what, and you probably know exactly what I'm thinking, but I'm not saying a word, so I get credit with God that I'm not. <laughs> but still, patience means that we wait a sufficient amount of time before we express that anger, thus avoiding the premature use of force. We, we are patient. First, and, and so you want to know what the, here's the predetermined amount of, the sufficient amount of time. You, every one of you had that question, how long do I have to wait? First Peter chapter 3, verse 20, and Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15, talks about God's patience while he was waiting on you to come to salvation. First Peter 3, 20, Second Peter 3, 15, God was patient with you waiting for you to come to salvation. Now, are you grateful that he did not vent his full anger on you while he was waiting? Amen. So, if you want the proper amount of time, the sufficient amount of time before you can express your anger, just say, okay, how long did it take for me to come to salvation? For me, I was nine years old, so I, I'm, I got eight years and 347 days before I can respond to Lori saying I was uh, <laughs> annoying. I mean, you know, boy, it stinks if you didn't get saved till you're 30. Because you, you, you got to wait another 30 years before you can respond to something. I mean, so what God is saying is, hey, I was patient with you. You be patient, okay? Chill. All right. God was patient with me as I journeyed to salvation. Therefore, I must have that same mind toward others. In my circumstance, self-evaluation, in my circumstance, do I wait sufficient amount of time before expressing anger? Kindness, oh, that one hurt, didn't it? Okay, kindness, we'll move a little bit quicker through these. Kindness in character, moral excellence. Some of your, uh, some of your versions may say gentleness, but that's another one for you know, a couple more down. It talks about gentleness as well. Kindness, gentleness is somewhat synonymous, but it literally means to be mild-tempered, unruffled disposition, treating others with politeness. 
a genuine desire to be nice to others because of how Jesus has been nice to me. I get a lot of people, I know a lot of people that want to be nice to others so that they'll be nice to them. You know, quid pro quo, I'll be nice to you, you be nice to me, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But, but this kindness literally means God has been kind to me. That kindness led me to repentance. Therefore, I am going to show that same kindness, the kiwi of kindness. I'm going to show that same kindness to you, to, to, to those around me. I am going to be mild-tempered, unruffled in disposition, and I'm going to treat people with politeness, even when they get in front of me of the H-E-B line, <laughs> especially when they have 18 items in the 15-item <laughs> checkout line. <laughs> Yesterday, while I was waiting <laughs> for the fruit, dude two in front of me. I was in a little hurry, dude two in front of me. I'm counting his items. 13, 14, 15. Brother had 21 items in a 15 item. Now I was... The Lord just said, kindness. <laughs> Show kindness. Show patience. I wish I was teaching on getting rich. Anyway. In my circumstance, do I offer kindness to each person? Now I'm going to get real personal. The, the, <laughs> the telemarketer. Yeah, uh-huh. I, you know what? It's really fun. I, I love talking to telemarketers now. I really do. I just try to think of something, and I just, and I have to tell you, it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's just the fruit of orneriness in me. I'll say, hey, I'll listen to your pitch. If you'll listen to mine, listen, I got a pitch. I got a condo I'd like to sell. And, uh, and they go, what? And I go, yeah, well, listen, I just have to tell you that this call may be recorded. And, um, and then I go into it, and they go, well, that's not what I want to talk about. And I said, well, you called me, and I didn't want to talk to you about it, so now you got to listen to me talk to <laughs> Anyway, inject a little humor. Anyway, are we kind to the cashier, to the salesperson, to the to the person that counts the wrong change or that brings the wrong French fries rather than tater tots. I mean, are we kind or are we... Mm. Okay, so in your circumstance, in my circumstance, do I offer kindness? Goodness, next one, goodness. Kindness and goodness, kind of funny. I, I bought two apples. I bought a green apple for goodness and a red apple for uh, kindness, I don't know why, but kindness and goodness are kind of the same area. This is the desire not only to abstain from evil, which means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good by not doing something, but the converse is, is that to do good to others to the best of my ability. I am going to be proactive in the goodness that I, that, that, that I, I walk around in. Um. So beyond being kind, do I practice doing good? I, I heard a staff member give a testimony one time um, that they had spoken in a group about this, about being good. And uh, then the staff member uh, was telling the story to me. He said, I had the strangest conversation. Uh, this was several years back. He said, I had a guy come to me and go, I'm going to join your church. Staff member said, why? And he said, I was in your teaching on, on goodness. And the guy was like, 
wow, must have really been a good teaching if you're going to join a church because of goodness. He goes, no. He said, you talk about doing good and being proactive. And he said, I was driving down the street, and I was behind you, and I saw you pull over and stop, and I had stopped at a stoplight behind, but you had seen something like a little knife in the road, and you pulled over and stopped, and you went out and you picked that knife up so that it wouldn't hurt somebody or it wouldn't hurt somebody's tire. And he said, that was just good. Nobody, you didn't do it for anybody. You didn't do it for anybody. But he said, that so impressed me, I'm going to join your church. Now, goodness, we don't know what acts of goodness do, but just, man, we, need, we just need goodness in our, in our world today. All right, so in my circumstance, do I go out of my way to do good deeds? Faithfulness, my first faith in Jesus, God, and his word. And then that word literally means ability to keep a confidence and maintain confidence. Do you maintain the confidence of your family, your, your employer, those around you, your, your CG members? Do you keep your word? Are you true to your marriage? Faith or faithfulness, are you just a faithful uh, person? In my circumstance, am I faithful to my God, to my word, and to others? Gentleness, literally, and gentleness, this one literally is meekness. Some of your versions may say meekness. The, the, the real translation literally means humility or the right use of power. You see, Jesus was meek. He wasn't weak. Jesus knew when to use his power and how to use his power. The Spirit of God is within us. We need to be gentle and meek and know how to use, have the right use of power with indulgence toward the weak. There are weak people around, and we need to be able to deal with them in meekness and not just lord it over and exert our authority. We are to be even balance of all temperaments, all tempers, and passions. We are supposed to be a balanced person. Self-evaluation in my circumstance, am I humble? Do I have the power? Do I use my power correctly? And then finally, self-control. Moderation in all things, in everything I eat, sleep, sensual desires. When things don't go my way, I don't lose it. I control my tongue and my desires. In my circumstance, do I operate in self-control or do I just let it rip? You see, when the Spirit produces the fruit, God gets the glory. And I want you to understand that, remember it said the fruit of the Spirit, and it lists them out, and then it says against these there is no law. I want you to, it's an interesting way to say it, but if you look back in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20, uh, 21, it talks about the deeds of the flesh, and I will tell you that almost every deed of the flesh, there's a law against it. And so what, what Paul is writing, he goes, look, there's laws against the things that you do naturally, but the things that are born of the Spirit, there's no law against them. Nobody's going to outlaw kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Nobody's going to put a law on that, against that. So question, how do you develop or maintain the fruit? First of all, as Reuben said, you've got to be saved. That seed has to be placed in you. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you must first come to uh, being a believer in Jesus Christ, because if you don't, this fruit will never grow in you. Second thing, you have to abide. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Wow, that's great. If we don't produce fruit, he's cutting us off. If we do produce fruit, he's cutting us. Well, that's not, I mean, why doesn't he just let us alone? No, man. You understand horticulture, you, you trim things away so that it can produce, produce more fruit. The painful part is, is I don't like being pruned. Just let me get loose and sloppy. Let me just no. The Lord says, I'm going I'm to continue to prune you. So how do you do this? Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he might get some fruit. No, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and thus prove to be my disciples. So, self-evaluation from John chapter 15. Is Jesus, first of all, is Jesus abiding in you? And then secondly, how are you doing abiding in him? Is it evidenced by my fruit bearing? Again, this is not a suggestion or perhaps this will happen. It says, if you do this, if you abide in me, then this is going to come out. It's going to come out. It's going to come through trials. It's going to come through pruning, but it's going to come out. So, I conclude. I just would like for us to bow our heads. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would come and illumine our minds and our hearts. I ask for an individual tapping on the shoulder of our heart right now. Would you silently before the Lord in the, in the Holy Spirit say, Holy Spirit, illumine my eyes to where I am needing pruning, where I am not exhibiting the right fruit. If the Lord brings something to mind, I would encourage you to write it down on your notes, write it in a journal, whatever. And then simply before the Lord, simply say, Lord, I, I receive that seed planted in me, and I ask that you do whatever it takes to cultivate that which would inhibit the growth of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I repent of bad soil. I repent of weak fruit. I repent where I have not watered, where I have not cultivated, where I have not done due diligence. I repent. I understand your expectation that I will bear fruit. I ask you now, Holy Spirit, do that work in me. Put me in situations where I can see the fruit of the Spirit 
being borne out in my life so that others, when they see me, they will see and see the cultivation of the fruit. And they'll see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control as the fruit, not the fruits, but the fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.